It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It is Friday, January 20th. This is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glenn. We are about a week and a half out from the national title game that saw Georgia beat TCU 65-7. to And while we have discussed the Bulldogs since that game, I think it's time to talk a little bit about TCU and the Horned Frogs. Their 2022 season, let's take a look back at it and let's look ahead to 2023. So joining me to discuss the program is Jeremy Clark, publisher of 24-7 Sports, hornfrogblitz.com. So Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate you giving me some time today. Yeah, you bet. So let's take a look back at 2022 and everything that Sonny Dykes and and TCU accomplished uh, this past season. Uh, Went to overtime in the Big 12 title game, made the college football playoff, won the Fiesta Bowl in what was one of the craziest games I've ever seen against Michigan. As you look back five, 10 years down the line, how will you remember the 2022 season for the Horned Frogs? I mean, I guess the best description I could give, Lance, is probably unbelievable because you're talking to the guy that felt like this team would go six and six as a floor and eight and four as the ceiling, maybe with a bowl game to get to nine wins. And that would have been really good in Sonny Doc's first year, let's be honest. I mean, uh, you're coming off a kind of a bad four-year run there, the final four years under Gary Patterson. And this team was five and seven a year ago. And some of those losses were by three or four scores. This was not a very good team in 2021. One of the worst defenses ever under Gary Patterson. So you didn't know what to expect in 2022. So for them to go out and really compete the way they did, not only were they one of the top offenses, they came back, called their way back in several games. Everyone started calling them the cardiac kids. Uh, it was fun to watch TCU football. And I think people liked the way they played football. I think they love the way TCU stayed in a lot of these games. And it was fun to watch. How are they going to finish each week? And that's one of the things that makes college football great because you get one of these teams like this. I don't necessarily call it a Cinderella. Everyone's going to label it a Cinderella team, but they had the makings. They had a good roster coming back. They had some good guys that were added through the transfer portal. And TCU's been here before. They've been on the cusp of the college football playoff. 2014, they were one game away. 2010, they went 13-0 and and won the Rose Bowl. So if I go back, you know, looking forward five to 10 years from now and I look back at this season, just the word I can really use is unbelievable. I, I did not expect this to happen. Uh, I think in a in a year of unexpected, them certainly going out and uh, finishing 13-2, and two, playing in the national championship, I don't think anyone can expect that. And you're talking to the guy that's been covering them for 18 years. So big props to their season and, and huge props to Sonny Docks in his first year. Yeah, unbelievable is certainly a good word to describe it. And speaking of unbelievable, was the Fiesta Bowl, because it was for me, was the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan the craziest game whether it's non-TCU or TCU game, was that just the craziest game you've ever seen? Because the back and forth nature of it, the big play nature of it, the no defense nature of it was just pretty, pretty spectacular to watch as a fan for me. I've seen some really good games, you know, covering TCU over the years. 
And that was by far one of the top three games. I think the Rose Bowl game was obviously really exciting. Everyone remembers the Oregon game, the Alamo Bowl, where they were down 31 nothing and came back and the greatest comeback in college bowl history. I was there for that game. That was remarkable. But this game was kind of crazy because you go into this game, no one's expecting TCU to win. You had the Michigan as a seven and a half point favorite, but let's be honest, everyone in the nation was claiming Michigan was going to win this game by two or three scores. It was going to be an easy win. Michigan, Georgia is playing the national championship. And I don't think really anyone gave them props to go in there and play the way they did. And when they got out to that big lead, I'm thinking, holy cow, this is this is going to be uh, it. They're going to they're going to wipe the floor with them. And here comes Michigan. They come back. And then it, this is what we've seen for TCU all year. Every time they've thrown a punch, they've got a big punch thrown back at them. They've taken some really big haymakers. And the way they responded in that game, it was just, it was cool to see because every time you thought, okay, this is Michigan, they're coming back. McCarthy's playing well. TCU's about to lose this game. And I'll be honest, I'll, I'll give you full disclosure. When they when TCU was up 41-22, I started booking, trying to find flights for LA. And I tempted the football gods, man. I mean, they got mad and here comes here comes Michigan storming back. So I almost ruined that whole thing for TCU. But yeah, when when they're going in that game and just playing the way they did, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was on the edge of your seat awesome like every other TCU game has been this year. But yeah, it was really cool to see it in that stage against the number two team in the country with a, a, a chance to play for the national championship on the line. My wife is, she does not watch college football. She's not a big sports fan, but but as her and I were sitting uh, on New Year's Eve at our TV, even she couldn't take her eyes away from it. It was just a, an unbelievable back and forth game. Uh, tons of fun to watch. Now moving on to the national championship game, and we just obviously talked about everything TC was able to accomplish in the 2022 season. But do you think the result of the game against Georgia sort of clouds what happened during the regular season and and the accomplishment of, of beating Michigan because it was it was such a big margin of defeat I think based on a national perception it does a little bit because I think if you ask any fan base outside of TCU it's all TCU shouldn't have been there they've proven why the committee got it wrong and you've heard every story under the book and I, and I certainly understand when it's 65 to 7 people are going to feel that way but what TCU did to get there they they, they won all the games on their schedule. Like you mentioned earlier, they did lose against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. But it was one of those it was one of those games where I don't care who was in front of Georgia. I still think they would have won by 30 points. I'm, I'm sitting here watching Brock Bowers just go against TCU's defense and no one could cover him. I mean, didn't matter if they put a linebacker safety or cornerback on him. I really feel like that guy's the next Gronk. I mean, I really do. He's he's going to be a tremendous pro player. And I think by the, you look, by the time you look up in the 2024 NFL draft, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in my opinion. So I, I really think everything happened really well for Georgia that night. Stetson Bennett played exceptionally well. I was always real cautious about how he was going to play because I'm one of those Stetson Bennett fans. I, I really feel like he was kind of under the radar and, and, and always played really well. And I, and I felt like TCU was going to have some trouble defending him. But I think if you look at national perception wise, yeah, of course, that, that score does not look good. But I think as far as TCU, I, I think you can still hang your hat on a 13 and two season. They still finished number two in the rankings. They still have a lot to build on. Recruiting was tremendous this year for them. They've done really well getting guys through the transfer portal. Five, I think five or six of those guys are from the SEC. So they've got a lot to come back and build on and make sure this thing wasn't 
a total fluke. They've got a lot of guys that they're going to have to replace. But as a, again, as I mentioned, they've got some good guys coming in and they've got some good guys coming back from a from a pretty good roster. So uh, I, I think uh, when you look at it, moving ahead to maybe preseason rankings, I think you're probably going to see them still in that top 15 in the preseason just because I think they did garner a lot of respect from a lot of people across the nation. But if you ask fan base, if you ask Alabama or some of those other fan bases, they're going to say there's no way TC should have been in that national championship. But again, I would tell them they earned the right to get there. They beat the number two team in Michigan, especially when everyone a week prior was saying Michigan was going to win by three or four scores. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of departures for TCU, as well as a couple that will be relied upon heading into next year. Keep it locked in. You're listening to the College Football Daily. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Back here on the College Football Daily, Lance Glenn joined alongside by Jeremy Clark of 24-7 Sports, hornfrogblitz.com. So, Jeremy, the biggest news in recent weeks for TCU, Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, he's off to Clemson. Kendall Bryles, previously at Arkansas, is now in as offensive coordinator. So I guess plain and simple, what's going to change, if anything? Obviously, Sonny Dykes is still there, and we know Sonny Dykes is an offensive guy. But with the change at offensive coordinator, do you expect anything new now to this offense for TCU heading into 2023? Well, I think what Sonny Dykes was really looking for was a guy that had a run background, rushing offense background, because that's something that Garrett Riley did really well for TCU. Um, And that's one of the things that made him so successful is he really didn't abandon the run game, even when they were behind in some of these games, down by 17 against Oklahoma State, 18 against K-State. They did a really good job running the football, and I think that's really important for Sonny Dykes. Yeah, he wants to have a quarterback put up some big numbers, but if if you look at what Kendall Browse has done as a coordinator, he's He's pretty much had good offenses every stop he's been at. He he did well at Florida Atlantic. He did well at Houston. He coached De'Eric King, and I think everyone remembers back in 2018 how well De'Eric King played. And let's look at Chandler Morris. He's kind of the same build as De'Eric King. So we know that you don't have to be a 6'4", 235-pound quarterback like K.J. Jefferson is at Arkansas to get good rushing yards in that offense. But he's just, uh, you know, Kendall, He's he's got – Great Texas ties. He's originally from Stephenville, which is about 70 miles from Fort Worth. So he's kind of returning returning home. And obviously, um, with the way that Arkansas improved this year, especially that SEC defense, the SEC West that they have to play in, they're averaging 236 yards on the ground. I think that was very eye-opening to a lot of folks. And, and obviously, you talk to people around the program at TCU – you lose a you lose a Broyles Award guy and Garrett Riley, and you're thinking, okay, well, we've just lost 
the number one offensive coordinator in the nation. So who do we go go out and get? And obviously a lot of names out there. TC fans had a lot of names in mind, but you got to trust with what Sonny Dykes wanted to go with. Sonny Dykes has earned that right to get the trust of uh, who he feels is the best offensive coordinator. And they, they labeled Kendall Browse as that guy. And uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to be interesting this year in 2023 to see how that offense changed, but changes, but I, I think we'll still see a lot of similar plays, schemes, execution, I think we'll still see a lot of the same things that we've seen this past year. And you mentioned Chandler Morris, and obviously a lot of focus is, is now on him because Max Duggan is headed to the NFL. His time with the Horned Frogs is over. Now, again, for those who remember, Chandler Morris was the original starter for the Horned Frogs, got injured in the first game. Max Duggan took place and obviously wrote it the rest of the season, became a Heisman finalist. But now that all the pressure is on Chandler Morris, are you confident or is the staff confident in what they have at quarterback this coming season, especially with the change at offensive coordinator? What's kind of the prognosis for that position heading into 2023? I think Chandler... <laughs> You know, he is the forgotten quarterback. And like you mentioned, a lot of people seem to forget that he was the starter in the season opener against Colorado. He competed with Max Duggan in the spring and fall camp, and he won that job with, uh, you know, so I think Sonny Dykes came out and said he won that job with about eight days to go before their game against Colorado. So it wasn't one of those games where, hey, we're going to wait until the final practice to figure out who's going to be our guy. Chandler Morris won that job pretty pretty early uh, in fall camp. And, you know, unfortunate for him to go out with an injury. He wasn't playing extremely well in that game against Colorado. And obviously, Max comes in, plays the next game, plays really well. And I think that game he had against SMU in Oklahoma let people know, man, Chandler's not going to get the reins back. Max is just playing too well. And he continued to play well and had, you know, just like TCU season, Max had an unbelievable season. Not, not a lot of people expected that. But with Chandler, you didn't get to see a whole lot of him in 2021. But what we did see in the one game that he really had a chance to shine was that upset win over Baylor. Baylor's top 10. They're still vying for a playoff spot. Gary Patterson and TCU had just split and, and, and parted ways. So you're you're having a game against one of your biggest rivals. You're at home and you're starting a quarterback that has not played very many games. And Chandler goes out there, throws for 461, rushes for 71, 531 total yards of offense was the second best game ever for a TCU player in their school history. So he's got, and that's, that's against a very good team, a top 10 Baylor team. So you have a, you have a guy that has tremendous athletic ability. He doesn't have quite the the arm strength that Max Duggan has, but he has really good accuracy and he's good at leading an offense. Now he is going to have to learn a new offense under Kendall Browse, but it's a similar uh, style of air raid. They're going to be running the ball a little bit more, but again, I'll go back to 2018 and I look at how Kendall Browse used Derek King. Similar body styles. They're five nine or not. Chandler's a little bit taller than five nine. He's about five ten, five eleven. But he's fast. He can run the football and he can make plays with his arm. So I, I look not going to go out here and you know uh, predict that uh, Chandler Morris is going to account for fifty touchdowns. But I will. I, I, I will say that I feel like he's going to be pretty successful in Browse offense. So Jeremy, I'll let you go on this one. What do you think is the biggest question mark this TCU team has to answer this offseason heading into next year in twenty twenty three? I guess just kind of the thing we've been talking about, the offensive side of the ball. You lose Max Duggan, you lose Kendra Miller, you lose Quentin Johnston, who's going to be the number one receiver taken in the draft. You lose three uh, extremely 
talented and experienced offensive linemen on the interior with Alan Ali, Steve Avila, and Wes Harris. The good news is you have a, a John Lance coming back. He's one of the guys that split a lot of time this year at guard. You got your two tackles coming back. And you have some playmakers. Um, Savion Williams, he showed some flashes this year. Jordan Hudson, the true freshman that was a five-star out of the 2022 class showed some flashes this year. You've got some guys that can can make plays. And, and and like I mentioned earlier, the transfer portal has brought in guys like JoJo Earl. JoJo Earl is going to be a nice compliment uh, to replace Tay Barber and Darius Davis. He's also going to be key in the return game. And John Paul Richardson. John Paul Richardson doesn't come with the flash. He wasn't a highly recruited kid out of high school. He was a three-star but TCU fans know exactly who that kid is because every time they played Oklahoma State, that kid was somehow making plays every game. So I, I look for him to be very involved in the passing game. And Jack Besh from LSU. Jack Besh was a really good uh, receiver slash H-back for LSU, wants to get catches, wants to come to this offense, and obviously he'll have a big chance. So, yeah, they've got to replace some very key guys on offense, but I think they've got some key players coming back and some key additional players that can help them continue this ride on offense. And luckily on defense, they only have to replace a few guys. Defensive line is is the place they're going to be hurting the most. They've got to find some guys through the transfer portal, get ready to play. I think that'll happen after spring camp when you have the next mass exodus of guys hitting the portal after spring camps. But I, I think on the back end, they still return a lot of good linebackers, good corners, and, and good safety. So I think defensively, playing in that system in the 3-3-5 for the second year will help them. And uh, I'm not predicting them to go out there and compete for the national championship again, but I don't think you're going to see too far of a drop-off um, for the Frogs in 2023. Yeah, so some pieces they need to replace, but obviously some pieces coming back as well for TCU. Follow Jeremy on Twitter at jclarkhfb247 and make sure to check out hornfrogblitz.com for the best TCU coverage around. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page and subscribe as well. So for Jeremy Clark, I am Lance Glenn. This has been the College Football Daily. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.